Hey there, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast, episode 44. I'm Eric. Uh, every week we read the comics that come out. One of us decides what we thought was the best book of the week. We will write a review of that book on our website, fanboystrikeback.com, and then we're going to come here to the podcast. We'll talk about that book, some of the other selected good or bad books that came out this that week. Um, this week we're also going to be talking about Why the Last Man. I finally finished it, so we're going to have a discussion about that. And we might touch on a little bit on Soul Calibur. A uh, new game that came out that fe- features some of our favorite Star Wars characters. We're going to talk about everything in all these reviews. We're going to we're going to ruin why Soul Calibur these books. So if you haven't read or seen this stuff, you might want to pause the podcast and come back later. But onto the comics and Eric, what did you think was the best thing you read this week? Uh, well, for the book of the week, I picked Northlanders: Spend the Return, number eight. This and has been your pick quite a few times. I think I did it like at, at least. Is this only I, this? I thought this was only the second time. I might have picked it maybe, once, maybe. one, one maybe other time too. I've, I've talked about it before. Um, this is a series by Brian Wood, and I haven't read a whole lot of Brian Wood stuff, um, like DMZ and stuff like that. That's it's something I want to get into, but I'll I'll be picking up the trades, you know, eventually. But I have read Demo, and reading through this series and comparing it, the only thing I really had to to, to compare it to was Demo, and they both. Initially, after I finished this book, which was the the final chapter of the series, I felt like, wow, that was really, really different. And then I reread the book over again, and I I kind of changed my mind after reassessing it, because basically what this story was it was a wrap up issue that dealt with uh, Sven's home that he'd been fighting with his uncle and and other people his his crooked uncle, and he tried he was trying to get back his inheritance and his title. And then get the hell out of there, basically. He, he, he's not a believer in the Viking lifestyle, but he was one of the priv- privileged sons of that, of that group. And um, he, he had gone off in his younger days, and he saw the world as, as being much bigger, and he didn't buy into the kind of uh, the darker aspects of the Viking lifestyle. It felt it was somewhat barbaric. And he thought better than that. But he was a very skilled and talented fighter and strategist and everything like that. So he'd come back and he really didn't have any love for his homeland. But throughout the book, and I mentioned it before in my past reviews, that he was really an asshole. There wasn't a whole lot in this book initially, at least through the first half of it, that you could really... uh, There wasn't any characters to really identify with because everyone was so dark and had their own agenda. But what happened eventually is, is... this this conflict that really Sven starts by going back and, and kind of poking the bear uh, to get what he wants out of him. Um, he starts this conflict, and really what he cares about is taken away from him uh, several several months ago. And after that, you see this very big change come over his character, and he becomes much more compassionate towards his countrymen. Um, and he also becomes much more passionate about uh, what he wants out of the remainder of his life. And, and all that, but he, he still doesn't really betray who he is, though. He doesn't have a change of heart as far as how he views the Viking lifestyle. He still considers it barbaric. He doesn't really want to be a part of that. But it's a, it was a very good story of 
not being able to really escape your destiny. And with that, um, and and kind of observing the character growth that he has shown, uh, to where at the end of this, you see him go off and, and start a future for, for himself and, and and also ensure a future for his his countrymen. Um, it was really good. Uh, I have mentioned before, the artwork in this book was was really, really good. It was uh, somewhat stylized. Uh, it was by David G- Gian Felice. Uh, I probably butchered that, but uh, somewhat stylized. But it was just, it was very dark. It was, it was very pale, kind of anim. Um, it looked grimy. It looked like you could wipe dirt off the page, and that was a whole aspect of this book that was very important. And also, there's a, a lot of scenery shots, a lot of sweeping vistas. You, you really felt a sense of scale in the shots. So it very much felt like um, kind of the screen shootings on a, on like the Lord of the Rings movies, where you know you come up over a cliff and just look out over all these vistas and, and mountains and things like that. It was very good. So um, it was the final chapter. I really enjoyed it. Um, it'll make a great trade if anyone you know likes historical fiction type types of stories. I'm not sure how historically accurate. It, I, I don't think it was at all the way the the characters talked, but it was definitely a very good character story set in the Viking. Environment. And those only four issues. Uh, it was eight. Okay. And then who published this? Uh, this was Vertigo. It was a Vertigo book. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, that's cool that you enjoyed it. Yeah. It paid off. Well, yeah, I, I tried something new, and and fortunately, this is one of those things where you know sometimes you pick up, uh, you know, some Vertigo or some indie books that you're not sure if they're going to pay off, and this was one that fortunately I stuck with, and I I enjoyed it throughout the whole thing. So. Um, if I would have had to pick a book of the week, I would have had to go with Green Lantern number 33. Still just continuing to be phenomenal. So, so good. It's almost like, I mean, we talked about Captain America, and Captain America's like, it's so consistently good that you just kind of expect it, but I'm surprised by how much I love this book every month. Um, and I just... We're seeing so much, so many things. Like we find out in this one that Avancer was the one who trained Sinestro, and maybe, maybe that had already been discussed, or that was, but that was new to me. I remember them being friends, but I don't remember that ever coming up before. I, I could be wrong too, but I, yeah, I thought that they were friends, and I remember they they had a relationship, but I didn't know that Avancer was the one who trained Sinestro. What I do like is is the juxtaposition between uh, Sinestro and Hal Jordan, and this has been through the Green Lantern series for for years but how sinister mentions how when he was younger he was uh, arrogant and disrespectful and things like that and he was kind of brought into line and made one of the better, best green lanterns and that's exactly what we know how what will happen with Hal Jordan mm-hmm. and so there's such a similar path that they follow and especially if you know you go back to the emerald twilight when you know when Hal fell and there's there's so much connection between these two characters that I I love seeing them normally, especially you know when the scenes that we've had with uh, the Sinister Core War between the two of them. But it's it's great to get these moments where they're comrades and they're allies. Yeah, and we're finally getting. I mean, this was there was a lot of information given away about the Blackest Night in here. Uh, we see that it goes back to the old days with the Manhunters, which I love when they talk about the Guardians and their their failed tests with the Manhunters. But they said that the Manhunters all of a sudden just went crazy. And they just started killing trillions and billions of worlds, all this stuff. But then there were five P 
people or five kind of aliens that remain at the end. Mm-hmm. And one of these aliens is trying to uh, hunt down William Hand because he thinks he has the power of the Blackest Night. And I don't know, it's just like everyone is so excited for the Blackest Night, you know? And like this was like an issue that like felt like it had a lot of umph to it. Like this, like, okay, this thing's really coming. This had a lot of substance to the story. And. You know, I, I've seen on a couple of different threads and forums around the internet that a lot of people think that we might be seeing a different Sinestro coming out of the Blackest Night. That a lot of people think that Jeff Johns had planned for Sinestro to, to be a good guy in this war anyway. I could see I could see him being more not really a good guy, but maybe like a Magneto character where Yeah. Um you know the the the, the intentions are, are there, but the means are not. And we see that. I mean, and this is a very good issue to look at that because we see um, Abinser leaves a message for Snestra in Hal's ring, and Abinser is giving him all this information about the Blackest Night and trying to have him do whatever he can to prevent that from coming about. And so you know, if this war is actually going to come about, I mean, Sinestro was always so loyal to Abin that. He's going to have to... I don't know. I'm really looking forward to a point where we see Sinestro fighting alongside Hal. And I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen in The Blackest Night. Yeah. Well, currently. And what I love about this book is how we were talking about things like Secret Invasion where it seems like there's not a whole lot of forward progress being made in that story. Whereas in this story, even this is something that evidently it's been planned for years as well. The, the seeds were planted a long time ago. But, you know, even in, like, a, a six-part flashback tale, the story is just zooming forward. And we're getting... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. And, like, the, yeah, things just keep on firing. And so I really love the pace of this book. And I never feel bored reading it. Like, I'm, I'm always very excited. There's always something in it for me. Mm-hmm. And there was such a great scene at the very end with the, the rings running out and then having to fight uh, Atrocitus? A, a tr- What's the name? Atrocitus. Atrocity, atrocitus? Atrocitus. And there was, what that really reminded me of was uh, during the Sinestro Corps War when mm-hmm. Kyle and Hal's rings ran out, and they, you know, they had to take down Sinestro. It was just a fist fight, basically, and that's what it looks like this is going to be, too. Because it was, they both lost, Sinestro and Hal both uh, lost the charge in the ring, and I, I love that. I just absolutely love that. And so, yeah, I mean, and Ivan Reese's art, like, I was such a fan of Ethan Van Skyver and, and still am. Yeah. Um, this is um, it's slightly less detailed, but it's almost a little bit smoother as well. And there's something about it, like this guy is just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, it's like this is really it's it's become his book. I mean, I I just like you, I love Ethan Van Skyver, but I really feel like this is Ivan Reese's book. You know. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see like um, you know like William Hand and. Uh, Oh, what's the other guy the with the uh, Hector, Hammond. Hector Hammond? Um, mm-hmm. Like how they're being brought into the story too, and I'm sure it's not just like throwaway things. Like they're going to be brought up, I'm sure later too. Like there's going to be plot points made. So, it's... Well, yeah, because we still don't know much about Black Hand, but we know that Black Hand is responsible for the Black Lanterns, and so it's he's just giving us these little tidbits of like who this guy was and what's going on. Like we see how he kind of he works in a funeral home, and he's. I don't know. There was some religious stuff going on in this background, so I'm very intrigued. Yeah, it's it's a great book, and I know just saying that it seems redundant over and over again. Yeah, but it's true. it's almost unbelievable how how 
on on par that book is. Yeah, I agree. Um, going from a good Jeff Johns book to a book that I was surprised that I didn't really like was uh, Justice Society of America Annual Number One. You know, I felt the same way, and this this book is exactly why I don't want the multiverse back. Yeah, this was. I mean, it didn't seem like. Well, what happens in this story is that Kara and the last patients of Justice Society, uh, Magog, or Gog, just Gog, right? Yeah. Sent her to Earth 2, because that's where she's really from. Um, she gets to Earth 2, she gets reunited with everyone, and then at the very end, apparently the real Kara from Earth 2 shows up, and that was it. Now, see, there's, there's about a million things wrong with with it. you know you, you described it right but there's a million things wrong with the whole premise of what you just said because Kara Power Girl right. is from the original Earth 2 from before the crisis and now this is the new is Earth 2 different Earth 2 which doesn't make sense because there's not even a, a, a Earth 1 anymore it's new Earth and they even they even mentioned that and so basically it, it's it's very similar to the old Earth two, but Grant Morrison even came out when they at the end of fifty two, and he said these aren't this isn't the same Earth two that existed before. Uh, seems like it was really interesting to go back and revisit these characters, but for me, like I barely remembered who a lot of these Earth two characters were, unless you're you know twenty six, twenty seven or older. I don't know how many you know younger readers really are up on the Earth two history. No idea who any of these people. Or, yeah, like, why there's so many different versions of them or anything like that. I thought the best scene in this by far was the Joker scene. Yes, I agree. Um, and that was kind of cool. The whole thing that's kind of weird to me, though, is that Infinite Crisis happened how many years ago? Three years ago, about? Uh, yeah, 2005. Okay, so almost three, maybe two and a half. And that brought back to Multiverse, but we haven't seen really anything from the Multiverse like, this is, like, the first thing that I would say is, like, okay, we know that Earth 2 is back, but this is the first book that I've actually seen any substance of Earth 2 since the multiverse came back. Yeah, this was really heavily in Earth 2. Now, another issue that I had a problem with is, like, apparently this isn't... Because, like I said, it's a new Earth 2, so it's not Kara's Earth 2, but they also make mention of it, like, because Jay Garrick and Alan Scott and a lot of the original Justice Society members who were from the old Earth 2 they have counterparts on this earth and they're just retired or, or things like that and all, all of a sudden when you start doing stuff like that I go cross-eyed and, and I black out because there's just like way too much like weird back and forth going on and it, it, it's exactly the kind of headaches that I didn't want from the multiverse. Yeah, I think the one thing that I was just kind of I, I, I did the same thing. I kind of rolled my eyes about all that stuff. And, I, I mean, being a person who is more of a Marvel guy, I didn't even really know anything about this stuff. The thing that disappointed me the most is that the story doesn't end. And it's it's an annual, and then at the very end it says, you know, to find out what's going to happen with Kara, read Justice Society. So I'm like, why did I pick up this annual? Because there was no point. Yeah, unless you really wanted to follow Kara's path out of the last Justice Society book, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, I, I was curious. I, the cover's beautiful, and it that wasn't, I, I do like the story of the old, the original Huntress and the Earth 2 Dick Grayson. Like, for, for me, that was enough to probably buy this book. Um, but just everything else that kind of, if, if it was on its own, I think I would have enjoyed it much more. But trying to have it tie in with 
the current Justice Society, and you have so many people, like the Kingdom Come Superman, who is not the Earth 2 Superman, but is very similar. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's so much people like crossing over now, I, and it's just, it's really, it, it, it's gonna, it seems like it's really hard to keep track of. Yeah, this one's pretty confusing for me. Um, which is weird, because I haven't been disappointed with anything JSA yet, but I guess it was bound to happen sooner or later. And it wasn't, again, it's not, it's not, it wasn't a bad book. It was just kind of confusing, and it just kind of seemed like like it wasn't important at all. It was a cool kind of counter to see, you know, where Kara went. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally didn't need to see that, so I could have been fine without reading it. But whatever. Yeah, and this really, this really made me reminded me of going back and reading Crisis on Infinite Earths and a lot of those older stories. But um, and like I said, it, it was good. But uh, I don't know if I don't know. There just was something about it that it, it wasn't terribly for me. Right. It, it seems like every like when you you see like time travel movies or time travel stories, and you can start poking little holes in it here and there. This one just seemed fraught with that all over the place. Yeah, no, I, and I think that Johns, you know, Jeff Johns had good intentions. I think he was just trying to clean things things up and just kind of make sense of things. But as soon as you start doing that, you kind of you're kind of taking people out of the story because they're seeing that and they start thinking about something else and it's just kind of, yeah. But again, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, and there's no cleaning up with the multiverse. I mean, the, they had the crisis <laughs> just so books like this, you know, wouldn't be there and not confuse the readers as far as, like, you know, who comes from where, where does this person belong in relation to this person and stuff like that. Like, it's fine to have those and if you want to tell stories individually and stuff like that, but... um yeah, and, and it's fine. I'm not saying Jeff Johns can't go write this book. I'm just saying it wasn't... There, there were issues that I had with it. And I, if I have my druthers, I very much prefer the more streamlined, you know, version of Earth-1 that happened right after the original Crisis. Like, I, I want my Man of Steel Superman that's very streamlined. I want my Batman Year One, which is a very streamlined, very, you know... The, these characters can interact, but there's only one version of them. You know, there's one Earth to keep track of. So what do you, you, your thought going into Final Crisis was there was a good chance that they were going to get rid of the multiverse again. Do you still think that's going to happen? Um, see, I don't know. Like, if they're going to go telling stories like this, I, I think something's going to come to a head, because I think the Kingdom Come story has to end sometime soon. But at the same time, uh, like I said during Countdown, is they killed off so many of those alternate heroes. True, true. Um, there was a big body count during Countdown. That was the one thing that did come out of it. And so I don't see the reason of bringing it back unless you're just going to destroy it the way they have, you know, it, or, or you kind of, you, you lose your opportunities to tell stories with those characters that you, if you're brought it back to tell stories with those characters, why destroy it immediately? Well, see, that's kind of my... planning on destroying it. That, that's kind of my whole thing, too. It's like, we haven't seen, if the multiverse came back and it's the, this big deal, why haven't we really seen any multiverse stories since then? I mean, we've seen some of the stuff in Countdown, but really, other than that, we haven't seen any... Like, I would think that with the end of Infinite Crisis and the multiverse coming back, maybe they're going to have, like, a just an Earth 2, you know, book, where it, maybe it's just, you know, various stories of the Earth 2 or what, whatever. But they didn't do anything like that. So it's like, why even bring that back if you're not going to capitalize on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have really enjoyed, like, an anthology type of book where they do, like maybe three stories per issue on different Earths. Because, like, I would have loved to get, like, a little story from, like, 
uh, Earth 12, the Batman Beyond Earth, or, you know, one one of the other, or the New Frontier Earth, or just little things like that. And I thought, you know, that would be fun. And you have different writers do, you know, try it out on mini stories. But you're right, we haven't seen anything like that. And so... So, um, Ultimate Spider-Man number one twenty-four. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really enjoying it still. It's it, there's nothing of books that are always good. Nothing, nothing wrong with this book right here. This, um, you know, I, I'm still I still feel like a relatively new reader to Spider-Man because I've only been reading him for like a little over a year now. And this was one of those issues where I really felt like I got the essence of Peter Parker with just his quips and stuff like that. And like there were a few times like I actually laughed out loud. And, you know, he's he's just kind of funny. He's almost slightly annoying or obnoxious. Not annoying. Yeah. Obnoxious is the right word. And that's perfect. Like, he just, he played that so well. And I can almost hear, like, the voice in my head the way it comes out. And so, um, you know, there's, and it's nice to have a book like this where the stakes aren't incredibly high. Because, you know, I'm reading things like Final Crisis, Secret Invasion, um, Batman R.I.P., Things like that, and it's really nice just to have a book like this in the middle of my stack where I can pick it up and just kind of be like, ah, you know, that's that's nice. I like it. Right. It's lighthearted. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, a and, great scene that we got in this one was the scene between uh, Peter and Nick Fury on the top of the Daily Bugle. Yeah, that was good. Peter goes to track down the Beetle, um kind of gets in a little bit of a mess and Nick Fury comes to tell him that you know he needs to back off and you find out that Nick Fury is basically saying these things just to get Peter to get involved more which is it's so like you know it's like a parent and his, his little son you know it's like reverse psychology and it was just really funny to see um, and we also yeah and I think this book also about like... his uh, health here that MJ's talking about Peter, about how he, he never really got checked out when he got bitten by that spider, and he's having some headaches, and so that's an interesting little plot point. Yeah, this what I was going to say is this book, also more than any other Spider-Man book I've read, really seems to do well with the relationship between uh, Peter and MJ. Oh, yeah. And and just the way, like, she, she always kind of has that, and not in, like, a kind of annoying way that I always find uh, Aunt May to be, but MJ kind of has that, you know, I told, I told you so type of thing. Like, why don't why don't you listen to me? Mm-hmm. And, and like, you, you, she's she's also kind of obnoxious too. But she's cute and spunky, and you know, you, you kind of you really end up liking her as opposed to being annoyed by her. And to Bendis's credit, like he really just gets how to write these younger characters like that, and it's it's fantastic. Uh, the only thing I thought we were going to get a little bit more of the Venom story continued. But but I, I'm assuming like the the whole idea of him having these headaches is going to play into that and that connection that Peter and the symbiote have, and also Eddie Brock now. Yeah, because it showed a scene where he was just kind of uh, swinging by, and Brock was near him, and all of a sudden Peter got a headache. So. Yeah, and uh, Eminem's art just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's good, it's very good. All right, so you missed the first chapter of Old Man Logan. Oh, uh, did you I went pick back. up the? Oh, did you go, did you go back and get it? I got it the week after, and it was really okay. good. So chapter two came out this week. What did you think? Uh, e- even better. Like I I enjoyed the last one, and I thought, okay, well, you know, it's an interesting premise, and I like these kind of stories that they're not they don't rely too heavily on continuity. You can jump in. I have a basic understanding of who the characters are, 
because I'm not a huge Marvel zombie, but at the same time, like, this is accessible to me. And I, I like the idea of an old, grizzled Logan. Like, it kind of, it, he, he reminds me a lot of, it's uh, very much uh, how Bruce Wayne is uh, in the in the first uh, act of The Dark Knight Returns. Like, he's... Which he's I just finished reading the first chapter of that, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, well, well, we'll be talking about that later. Um, but yeah, like he's he's kind of resigned to uh, live live a certain way and 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 turn his back on on the old life that he had and everything like that. And this, I mean, this, it, this book is gorgeous. Um, it's it's just interesting. It's funny. I I never know what's going to happen. Is is one of the things yeah, that I really enjoy. About this book. All the stakes are dropped because this is not our typical Marvel universe. Uh, there was a a fall of the heroes. Now a blonde Hawkeye who's basically a drug courier. Yeah, that was is, interesting. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. It's, he's taking um, Wolverine cross-country on a trip. And this is basically just a a plot device to see like how the world has changed. And the, the major change that we've seen here is that Wolverine will not fight back. He will not pop his claws. And it's so, it's like, it's almost like heart breaking because you can just see that something happened and he's just defeated and it kind of has flashbacks back to the day that the heroes fell and you can kind of see, you see him getting attacked by like sinister and Sabretooth and i think ultron's in there and and he will not like lift a hand to defend himself no he and just sits there and takes it yeah you, and you got to know that something really, 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 really bad happened for, you know, him to have that reaction. Yeah. There were a couple moments in this that I really enjoyed, too. Uh, one being Clint, when he's talking about how some of the other heroes were tracked down uh, right away and, and killed off, and he's wondering, like, why he wasn't deemed on, on, you know, at least on their level, or why he wasn't ever hunted down. And he, you know, he kind of speculates, is, was he not as good as them, or was it because that he used to be a criminal, too? Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Then when they go to the city that I think it was formerly Las Vegas, and you see like how people still hold out hope that they're going to be saved, and I thought the image, and this is really a testament to um, Steve McNiven's art, but when they drive through and they're talking about people holding out hope, and you see just a, a kind of like what you'd see, you know, on the news sometimes, but like just a crowd of people just on their knees praying out in this big town square, and in the center of it is just Thor's hammer sitting there. And it's, you know, you, you can see it's been there for a while, and it's just like... That it's powerful. It's almost held as, like, this religious relic. Yeah, that when that when you get to that page, that really hit me pretty hard. It's like, there, there's some bad stuff that happened in this world. Yeah, and, and it's not like, I'm not really a Thor fan, but just the, the power behind that image was very, very, very big. And so, just, that's a beautiful page. Yeah, and then the little surprise that we get at the end is that Hawkeye, one of Hawkeye's ex-wives was Peter Parker's youngest daughter, and Hawkeye and his ex-wife had a daughter who is trying to be the new Spider-Woman and just got captured. Yeah, that was that was interesting. So yeah, um, just when you think like it's just going to be a road trip book, you get kind of a detour like that, and like very cool. Like now, like I said, I never know what to expect, and they, it, the story keeps taking these left turns. And you know, no pun intended, but it's very, very cool. And at the same time, there's 
a little bit of absurdity to it because they're riding around in that big ass uh, spider spider buggy. spider buggy. Like, when did Spider Man ever need a spider buggy? Was is that in continuity? That looks like something like Hasbro would have put out. Well, I know there were toys, and I'm sure that I know that it was on the cartoon. It might have been either on the '60s cartoons or the Amazing Friends cartoon, but I don't think it's ever been actually in continuity. So yeah, just just using something like that, like there's still a little bit of absurdity in it that is is comical too. So I really I really like that aspect. No, it's good, and I think the one thing is because this this whole new this world is just brand new and it's changed, and they're heading towards I think it's called New Babylon. And that the the world is kind of just split, and like Bruce Banner, it looks like controls part of it, and I'm interested to see if we're actually going to see Banner. But they keep on talking about the president, and they're going to the New Babylon, which I guess is controlled by the president. And I can't wait to see who this president's going to be. Um, so I, yeah, I gotta give it to like McNiven is at, at the top of his game. This book is absolutely gorgeous, and yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last book I want to talk about real quick was Thor number 10. I've been in love with Thor since it re- restarted. Uh, this book was the same. Uh, Oliver Coppell is back on art, and the kind of story that we get in this one is that we find out that Balder is actually a half-brother to Thor. So Balder is the... Um, in the, the Norse mythology, Baldur is the uh, the god that basically his death will bring about Ragnarok, which is the fall of the gods. And that was a story that happened when I think Michael o- or yeah, I think Omen wrote that. And so Loki kind of is talking in Baldur's ear, and Loki's saying, "Hey, you know, you're half brother of Thor. You're also a son of Odin. Thor knows this. He's not telling you." but you're entitled to, you know, part of this throne. So Baldur kind of is wary of what Loki's saying, but kind of talks to Thor about it, and Thor's like, yeah, I've known this, I didn't want to tell you because, you know, you would have been a a target for Ragnarok. If everyone knew that your death would bring about the fall of the gods, you would have been targeted from the inside and the outside, and I couldn't tell you. And of course the big question that Baldur has is that if Ragnarok has already happened, why wouldn't you tell me after that? And Thor really doesn't have an answer for him. And it's like, Thor and Baldur are pretty much brothers already, and so Loki is basically just driving this wedge in between them. And it kind of ends off with that, with Loki just kind of putting them at odds, and they have a coronation, and they announce to the, all the kingdom that Baldur really is, you know, a prince of Asgard. And, you know, I haven't liked a whole lot of JMS stuff, he's kind of hit or miss, but, like, he has done a great job of, like, rebuilding the Norse gods and this mythology, and, you know, Loki's, like, this deceitful woman now, and it, everything just kind of made sense, because it wasn't like Baldur would just took everything that Loki said and just said, oh, okay, it's fine, like, the whole time he's fighting against Loki, saying, like, you know, I know you're a trickster, I know what you're doing, but we've all been reborn, and I'm just gonna give you this chance once more. So it's it's just I don't know I can't say enough about this book. Tennessee's end. There's two trades out. You should pick it up. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think that that's it for us on month or on the uh, weekly books. Now, 
I had finished reading White Last Men a couple about a month ago, and you have just finished reading the series. Uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about let, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. So what over overall, what did you think of this series? You know, it's funny because we had a thread up uh, on our forums about it, and I went through it quick because, like you said before, they're a quick read. I was on a plane trip. I went through all ten trades and like a week and I thought it was great I thought it was very progressive but I didn't love it the more time goes by the more and more I like it yeah it, it almost takes a little bit to sink in as far as like how how different it is exactly that's exactly it's so different it's so new it's so fresh it's such a great read it was just so I could never put it down yeah, and that's that's exactly how I felt too. Is you know I we we read it in the trade format, both of us, and uh, this was definitely one of them where I usually would buy like two or three trades at a time, mm-hmm. and and read through those. I just you know blast right through those, and then be constantly waiting for the next you know going to the bookstore the next week to pick up the next ones, and um, I I had read all the way up to the the tenth the ninth trade and was waiting for the tenth one to come out because the last issue hadn't come out and it killed me not to just buy that last issue because I had to get it in trade right. and it was so good um, what I loved about this and I, I I also said this on the forum it's not really the ending of this book that mattered and it's not even it's not even the like how the man died or all the men died. Um, and usually, like, and usually, I won't say that because, like, on on the Jason Todd issue when they brought him back, they said, "Well, it's not important how he came back; it's just that he is back." And I, at the time, I was like, "Oh, that's not true at all." <laughs> I was up in arms because I had to, I had to know because uh, I had personal investment in that character. Now, this one, I I tend to go the opposite way. This one, like, I really did. It, it was less important to me to figure out the whys and just figure out like what what was going to happen. You know what? How how are they going to rebuild the society? And that was something that comes up in the last uh, several issues when York finally finds Beth, and she says the same thing. And she's like, "Well, it's not really that important why the men died. It's just that you know what? Where do we go from here?" And and York, he, you know, he he comes out and says, "He's that. That's bullshit. The past is really important. Like you have to. It's it's important to figure out why this happened and to remember like who came before and stuff like that. So it's an interesting argument both ways." And then I think just the the character growth on all these like three fifty five, um, e- even though you don't see it as much, she always seems like she's the one in control and stuff like that. But like especially near the end, you really get the sense that how she warms up to Yorick, and there starts to be a relationship there. And I love that just the 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 few moments where you really see the softer side of her. Mm-hmm. It, I thought that was just great because she has this. She has this protective shell built up around her, and she doesn't let anyone in usually. And just the fact that she had to spend so much time with Yorick that he would occasionally get these glimpses, and that allowed uh, him to kind of you know get under her skin and for them to form this bond that was really really powerful. And and even other side characters like Doctor Man and uh, Doctor the o- Man was my favorite character by far. She was great, and the the other Beth that they found, I loved her, and the yeah. the astronaut, and um, there was there was just so many good characters, and they all had their own individual path. Uh, even York's sister, who at first I didn't care for at all, mm-hmm. and then I got really involved with like, well, what's she doing? What's you know, 
what at what point is she going to come in and enter the story again? Um, I, I just loved each individual character study, and then at the end, the 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 flash forward ending, and you don't get a whole lot of closure. You get little bits and snippets of what happened to everybody, and you don't get a whole lot of closure. It's fairly open ended, and I love that they didn't give you that, like because that's how life is. Life isn't. There's no you know bookend on the end of it. You know, life goes on and. And that's how it has to be. And there's this great, that, that last page where it's just the great scene of his, he'd escaped from his straitjacket and it was flowing in the wind. And that's such a great thing because the whole time he's an escape artist. And, and I love that, that it was just, it was, he was free. He was, you know, back out there and, and just the straitjacket blowing in the sky was fantastic. Well, I think the, the thing that's going to stand out most about this book is that these are probably the most, real characters I've ever seen, even though this was a complete work of fiction. Yeah. Um, like, Dr. Man was by far my favorite character because she was... I, I, I mean, and this might be going far to say, but I think she's probably the most human character I've read in anything ever. Like, she gets pissed off with York all the time. She... Like, she's not perfect. You know, she acts... She does the right thing. She does the wrong thing. She's making these jokes. She, she's just like a broken person. And it's like all there. It's all laid out. Especially because with her, we get a lot of her family history. And she ends up being very pivotal to the whole story. And I just found myself like being drawn to her whenever she was on the page. Because I just felt like I know this person like inside and out. And that was such a weird experience for me. Like I've never read a character like that before. And it was kind of the same with all these characters. These characters were just so, like, from York, who's like... I mean, York is... Who would have think about writing a story about the last man on Earth, and he's just, like, this slacker kid who wants to be an escape artist? You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. just a real guy. He's Yeah, I mean, he's not, like, an action hero. He's not some big buff, you know, extremely handsome dude. He's just, like, he's a scrawny, you know, pop culture loving... Like, he's, he's kind of one of us. And... Just that he, it's, you know, out of all the men left over, it's him. I love that aspect. But also, I, you're right with Dr. Man and doc, between Dr. Man and, um, and York both, I think they both have very real reactions to, to the world, what's going on around them. And with Dr. Man, you see her occasionally, you know, she's cracking jokes. She does break down occasionally and just gets angry or frustrated or upset. And it's very understandable. And then at the same time, there's, there's moments where, you know, York, usually he tries to keep, keep people's spirits up, but you see there's moments where he's faced with the very reality, the, the stark reality in front of him, and there's a few moments where he just, like, he, it, it overwhelms him as well. Yeah. And he understands. I mean, there's a point where there's, it's not early, yeah, it's pretty early on where 355 takes him to go see that other agent because York is basically unknowingly trying to kill himself, and that was that was, like, the best trade. I mean, going through that deconstruction of York's character and seeing... It was just... It was mind-boggling. It was... That's some of the best stuff I've ever read. Or ever read. Yeah, I also thought a, a very big, pivotal moment in the story was the the, the issue where he, for, he had to take his first life. And it was mm -hmm. that young uh, recruit girl who, you know, had him... You know, gun drawn on him, and, and basically she she was scared, and he was scared, and basically like, it just came down to survival, yeah. and that and that was it. And um, 
you know, just just the stark reality because he really was in a no-win situation, and you know, he did what he had to do, and it was just an un- unfortunate situation. Whereas, like in in the world that we live in now, that would be totally unacceptable. But in the conditions and in the world that he lives in, you totally understand like what he had to do to survive. And it's you know, he wasn't happy with the choice that he made. He wasn't, you know, it it wasn't something that he wants to do. It's just something that you know he was he was forced into. Yeah, and and like that had. That changed him for the rest of the book. Yeah, yeah, that was that a t- was the best part. Like you saw, like he struggled with that, and they brought it up, and he was not the same character before and after. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I mean, there are some questions. Like in terms of how all the men died, I didn't have a problem with that explanation. Um, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird, but it, it was okay. The it- only only issue I have is that um, and we are going to do some spoilers right here, we're going to talk about some stuff is that shouldn't it have been reversed too when they started cloning the Yorks? Well, yeah, and that's that's, that's a- something that they even bring up like they're, even Dr. Man talks about it or someone talks about it, but then they just never follow through it Yeah, and, and they even almost, they, they make almost a joking reference to it in, like, one of the last issues as far as, um, or I think it was the second to last issue when, uh, what's her name, the, the military woman. Oh, uh, Alter? Alter, when she finally confronts York, and, and basically they, they had said that, you know, that he found out the reason why all the men died, and it was kind of half-explained and not, not really satisfying, which I wonder if that was kind of a reaction to, to read a response at the time. But then she she kind of comes up with like a secondary thing, and like well oh, you know that that wasn't it it was a it was a biological thing you know and and that's is something went wrong and I almost thought about it. it's it's almost like in the comics when they tell like the Joker's origin where you know it, it could be whatever you kind of want to believe and and like a certain group of people will believe it it was this and a certain group of people and I'm totally fine with that so am I so because I honestly I mean I I had Nick Picks with like the follow through. But I really like the idea of why all the men died. I thought that the first explanation that we get, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to give too much away, but I thought the first explanation that we get was really cool. Yeah, and it was really original, too. Like, I, I read that and I was like, wow, that's... That, it, it's impressive. It was just impressive with the creativity behind that, and I yeah. I really enjoyed it. And also, like, this, this book for... It's... You know, it's hard to describe it as a certain genre because there's certain moments in it that you could describe as kind of like it's it's almost like a adventure book. Some of it's like a a, a horror book if you want to take it that far. But there's also some just incredibly touching moments in the story too. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, this book is not for the faint of heart, and I decided that I was going to give my I was going to let my wife read it because I she, I think she did, she's either going to love it or she's going to hate it because. My wife was an English major, and that's everywhere in this book, because York was an English major in college, and he talks about that all the time. So I'm like, well, she's either going to really like this or she's going to hate it, because there's some profanity and there's some boobies. Mm-hmm. But uh, she, she read the first trade, and she loved it. She really, really? liked it. That's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's exactly what you said. I mean, if you start this book... It's, you're going to think that this book is going to be about why did the men die and is Yorick going to find Beth? And that's the whole journey through the story, but 
it's not about getting from point A to point B. It's more about the journey. And it's kind of funny, because even... There's so many times in the story where they kind of hit that over your head, because when 355's talking about, like, Beth, and she's not always saying, you know... She's always telling him that, you know, you'll find Beth, and it'll be fine. But it's like, in that moment, you're supposed to know that it's not really about Beth. You know, it's just about what's going on. And that's hard to explain unless you read the whole thing. And, like, you might not even feel that way exactly after reading it, because I didn't. But, like, looking back now, it's just like, it wasn't about that. Like, the questions, it's it was just about the story. It was about the, even more so, it was about the characters. Well, yeah, and, and you have a point. And even when, on those instances when 355 says that, you know, it's like, it's going to be fine, you're going to find Beth, they're going to go live happily ever after. Like, you're almost feeling as you're reading it, like, that's not really what's going to happen. And, like, there's, there's more going on. Like, it's, it's not just a point A to point B, like, a very... Um, almost like a Legend of Zelda text story, like, boy goes, finds girl, and that's that's it, beginning, middle, end. Um, it's really just about, like, the characters grow throughout this story, but you, you get the sense that, like, it's just, it's this world, and what's what's going to happen to it, even beyond the pages of this, the end of this story. Like, I, I you know, I, it, and it's it ended perfectly for me, but at the same time, like, I, I want more. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't need it because I, I have enough. I have a good ending on it. Like I, I understand. But it's like, oh, I just, you know, I'm so curious as to as to what else happens. I'm not sure because this this has been optioned as a movie now, and Shia LaBeouf uh, is rumored to be playing Yorick. I'm not sure if I like the idea of this being turned into a movie. I think this is my first kind of. I mean, Why the Last Man isn't exactly an indie book. I mean, it is Vertigo. But this is kind of my first thing, like, really reading something before everyone else has read it. And I kind of feel like it it might be tainted if you make it into a movie. Because if you make it into the movie, it's going to be exactly what we're not talking about. It's going to be about the the answers. And it's going to be about, like, you know, why do the men die? Does he find bad? And I don't want to be, you know, ruined that way. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to do. The whole thing that we're talking about right now... You know, we're giving we're given ten trades and and how many years it took for this to come out like seven or eight years I think this has been around um, of of character growth and you know to squeeze that down into two two and a half hours I you know there's so much that would have to be left out and it, it would be really difficult unless they just did it like maybe like Star Wars or, or Lord of the Rings where you know they take the first act and they say okay this is what we're going to make the movie about and then like at the end of the first movie you know they're they're off on their journey. Yeah, I mean, they could do it. I mean, I guess they could I, I do don't, it as a trilogy. I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. that's what's going to happen. Though. Right. But overall, I give it two thumbs up. I give it as, a great as recommendation. Um, it's a great thing, also, for people who don't normally read comics, I would think. Yeah, yeah. It's For, for, those, for the people who kind of recoil at the, the tights and flights type of comic books, I think this is a great, more adult book to give them. Mm-hmm. Which is still, it's still, it's a fantasy book, but set in a more of a real world. And it is frightening, by the way. The whole <laughs> premise is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Ugh, so, um, so I, I've been missing out on the Soul Calibur. I, I, I've been seeing commercials for it everywhere, and they've introduced Star Wars characters in this Soul Calibur 4. Talk, talk to me about this. Uh, I've, I've been playing it, you know. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I am a huge fighting guy. Um, 
I love my fighting games. I'm very excited about Street Fighter 4. Tekken is my forte. And I've loved the Soul Calibur series. I wasn't a huge fan of 3. Um, but I was excited about this one. So it would be the first next-gen Soul Calibur. And we did have the addition of the Star Wars characters. So I got on the PS3. have Darth Vader. Um, the graphic, Graphically, it looks amazing. It, it looks beautiful. The only problem I have with Soul Calibur 4 is seems like they've made the characters a little bit more blocky, and the biggest thing is that it's not as, it's not as fast as it was. Um, it's still fluid, it's still beautiful, the gameplay is, is solid, but it's just the characters that I, I'm used to playing are not as quick and as fluid as they normally are. Usually, I usually play with Keelik and Maxi, um, and Keelik has his bow, Maxi has the nunchucks, and they're they're completely different than in, in past incarnations. Um, a lot more slower, and that happens a lot in fighting games. They always tweak things to make some characters quicker, some characters slower. So for me personally, um, this was kind of rough to play. The online mode is solid, great. Um, some of the best online fighting I've actually ever used. I hardly ha ever have lag, I never get kickoff. Um... The shining light in this game is by far the Star Wars characters. Uh, I was kind of skeptical when they put in, you know, random characters. I bought Soul Calibur 2 on the PS2, and they had Hayachi in there from Tekken, which I loved. Eric, I know you're a big fan of Link, I, I, the GameCube version. Yeah, it was, it was a great game. That was my first introduction to the Soul Calibur games, and like I, I got in for Link, but I really enjoyed the entire game after that. There, there was a lot more in there than just the one bonus character for me. Yeah, the, the thing about Soul Calibur 2 is that it had that... Do you remember that Weapon Master mode where you'd kind of go through the story? and it, it, There was an actual story to it. Yeah, yeah. They don't have that here in Soul Calibur 4. It's kind of... If anything, it's actually... There's less story and less content than in a normal arcade fighting game. Um, in a normal arcade game, it would take maybe eight eight matches to get to the end. This one is like five, so it's kind of watered down. I think they're focusing a lot more on the online content, and that's kind of a good thing. Darth Vader is... Like, I thought, you know, I got it on my PS3 because it's going to look better on my PS3, but if I had to, if I had the choice, I probably would have got it on my 360 because I would have wanted Yoda instead of Vader. That being said, Vader is freaking awesome. Like, it's... You know how they have, they always have had, like, these horrible Star Wars dueling and fighting games? Mm hmm This, like, seeing Vader made me realize that they could actually do a really, really, really good Star Wars fighting game. Hmm. And he's, it's, it's so weird because he fights exactly like Vader would fight. You know, he's very stiff, he's very kind of straightforward, and he just strikes hard and long, and he's not that quick, but it's just... Everything is just very precise and very powerful. And that's one of the things you get with Soul Calibur, because everyone has different weapons, everyone has different fighting styles, and you can easily tell each character apart. And I was... I was truly amazed when I saw Darth Vader, like, fight. It, it looks exactly like Vader would fight. Um, one thing that I was not expecting was that the Secret Apprentice would be my favorite character in the game, and he is, hands down, my favorite character in the game. He is probably the fastest character. Um, his force powers, because you actually you can, you can use the force in the game. His force powers are great. Um, he just kind of has like the the 
he doesn't have the Anakin, the snotty attitude. He's kind of arrogant, but he's very kind of reserved. And this is my kind of, you know, the first intro into the Force Unleashed and into this character because we don't know anything about him yet. And, like, I was excited about the Force Unleashed before, but, like, I I am, like, ten times as excited now. Yeah. It's, that, ah, yeah, no, now I just want to play it. It's, it's really, it's, it's, I, you know, I rented it, I didn't buy it, and to be honest, I'm happy that I rented it, because I probably would have been a di- little bit disappointed if I bought it, but, I mean, it's a solid game, I'd probably give it, you know, maybe like a 7 out of 10, I think it's a letdown for the series, but the Star Wars stuff in it is just great, I mean, I was, I was surprised by how good the Star Wars stuff was. Well, speaking of video games, like, I was, I was a little heartbroken this week, because it was announced that the developer who was developing the Ghostbusters game, had dro- mm-hmm. they dropped a ton of titles, including the Ghostbusters title. Well, it's... So so currently it's it's out from that developer. I, I would imagine that so much work has been done and there's so much yes. expectation that someone, someone will, pick will pick this up. But I'm... I, I, was, I was shocked, because this was a fairly big title. Yeah, it's a big deal, especially when you had, you know... Um like Dan Aykroyd and the actual people working on it and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where the company just kind of, for whatever reason, I do think that it will get picked up again. Um, I, I do think that we'll be seeing the game, but I'm not sure when. Probably won't that. be as soon as we thought we were going to see it. Yeah, maybe. Which was sure. which was sad, because that, well, that was going to be the impetus for me to go out and buy a new system. But, um, yeah, so finishing our, our media review... Uh, one of our listeners, Chris, uh, had r- written in an email asking, had I seen the uh, the Dr. Horrible sing-along blog that had been out on on iTunes recently and on the internet, and I hadn't, so I, I went to iTunes and I downloaded the seasons, they're, they're fairly cheap, and, and to give a little background, these are uh, three 15-minute episodes by Joss Whedon, and they utilize, it, it's basically the, the Dr. Horrible, Neil Patrick Harris, he's a mad scientist, very, very classical you know, kind of comical mad scientist, and he's trying to take over the world. And uh, I forget the actor's name. He was the lead guy from Serenity and Firefly. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, he plays the superhero Captain Hammer, and he's kind of a uh, kind of a, a doof, kind of a jackass. And, and basically, they they fight for the affections of this girl. This was damn good. See, I, I have no, you know, and, and Chris was spot on because he kind of talks about how we would probably love it because it's Joss Whedon and then Neil Patrick Harris because we love How I Met Your Mother. I've been hearing everything about this, but for some reason I still haven't seen it, and I don't know why. Well, this was the same. I saw it on iTunes and I just kind of passed it. I saw Sing Along or uh, like uh, what Sing Along blog or something like that. I'm usually not anything for musical, mm-hmm. like musical theater or musical TV shows, anything like that, but. This one, like the the, it's not all singing. It, there's a lot of just dialogue too. But even the songs, it's almost like the South Park's musical where the songs are are humorous as well. And so it doesn't take itself too. It doesn't take itself seriously at all until the third act. There's there's kind of a turn. But um, just the humor and the way that the actors interject uh, kind of mannerisms into the character. Uh, it, it ended up just being really funny. There was a lot of it where I had to like pause it because I laughed so hard that I missed the next joke and so I had to rewind it and watch it again and um, and there's really I mean it's it's four bucks I think for or 350 for all uh, three episodes and so it's it's definitely worth the download 
So it's it's funny. I, I recommend if you're if you're a fan of Joss Whedon, if you're a fan of uh, those actors, uh, definitely check it out because it, it it's just well worth your time. It's they're like I said, three fifteen minute episodes, very funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I've done it. I mean, I know uh, Josh can do musicals because the the Buffy musical episode was my favorite episode of Buffy. So See, I have no I, excuse. Then. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get on it real quick here. So, okay, well, uh, that does it for us this week. So um, uh, if you have any questions or comments or anything else you think we should check out, uh, please email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com, and we always love to hear from you. And if you also want to talk to us about any other uh, topics or anything like that, you can go to our website at www.fanboystrikeback.com uh, or fanboystrikebackblogspot.com. Um, and that is where we have our main website where we post our written review of the week as well as different articles that we uh, find interesting that we think you guys might like. But we also have a link to our forums on there, and that is where uh, we talk about various different topics that we've been talking about. We talked about the Y trade. We've been talking about Watchmen a lot lately and, and just uh, an assortment of different topics and um, had a lot of great activity on there last week. We want to thank everyone who's been coming by and posting on the blogs. That really uh, keeps us going, and we really appreciate that. And uh, you can also find us on uh, various different podcasting sites, uh, most notably iTunes. Yep, iTunes, uh, Podcast Alley, really any podcaster out there. If you do like the show, please leave us a review. That could help us out, let more people hear the show. If you like the show, tell your friends, tell family, tell anyone you know. Um, then like Eric said, come by the site, uh, check out some um, articles that we'll put up, video game news, mo- movie news, then head over to the forum. And yeah, the forum's been pretty cool. We've been having some pretty cool discussions, uh, talking about some old school cartoons, Watchmen. Um, we just put up a new thread about what what made you come out of comics for a while, and then why would you go back into comics, because it seems like Everyone, for some reason, always stops reading comics and gets back into it. Stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. it's been really cool. So, uh, um, yeah, we got a, probably another big week next week of comics. Um, David's reading Dark Knight Returns. So, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will be done by then. Also, um, we got a new Harry Potter trailer out, too. We got to talk about New Harry Potter trailer. And I, I just picked up uh, Invincible number one and Walking Dead number one, the first trades. So oh. I'm reading those, too. Wow. I've, I've been a like, reading machine lately. Yeah. I'm really trying new things. Going after it. I like that. So, uh, excellent. Well, we all have a lot to talk about next week. So, um, please be sure to tune in. And uh, thank you for, for listening this week. And uh, until then, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later.